God, I hate the 17 games. Can I just say that right now? Like it used to be, we're a quarter way through the season. You sort of know who you are. Right. We're, te- we're not technically in. I mean, it's so frustrating. I'm happy for more football, but it just uh, it drives me a little crazy how I got to think about things now. Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome into another edition of the Chop Shop. This week, we're brought to you by Starbucks Triple Shot Energy Drink. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another edition of the Chop Shop, where I sit down with my good friend Mark Slareth and go into great detail what we saw week four of the NFL. We break these games down to the studs, and Mark, something's going to happen on this show today that I don't think has ever happened before. We're going to have a fight. Yeah, uh, the kids hate it when mom and dad fight. Um, but you know what? We always make up. That's yeah, the, we do. We, we yeah. rarely ever fight, but when we do have a disagreement, we yes. handle it like professional adults. And, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later, but I think we have to start with what we saw on the Monday night game and what we saw was an absolute domination by the Bolts. The only thing that stopped the Chargers last night was the lightning delay uh, at SoFi. Who knew you could have a lightning delay at a stadium that had a canopy? It's not a dome stadium, but there's something over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was weird. And by the way, lightning delays in L.A. in general, very, very rare. But uh, the Bolts uh, took the energy from the Bolts uh, and just took it right to the the Vegas Raiders. Uh, this stat line, Mark, to me, was absolutely incredible. At, the, at halftime, the Raiders had one first down and had more penalty yards than total yards, and we're down 21 to nothing. Like, I could think of worse halves, but it, it would take me a while. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. And, you know, I just find it, I find it fascinating what they've done, Tom Telesco with the Chargers, what they've done to revamp and rebuild that offensive line, the physical nature, what Austin Eckler has become in that backfield for them, the way they ran the ball, just that, that the balance that they have. And then a quarterback who, frankly, is just, I mean, he has just proven to be top. Now, you keep waiting for, hey, is there going to be a sophomore slump? Will there ever be a regression? Yeah, this kid has been, since day one, he's been lights out. And, you know, they really are the best team in the AFC West right now, or at least playing the best. And defensively, they put it on them. You know, Brandon Staley comes over um, from the Rams, and that defense was exciting. I mean, they were just like, hey, man, they're like the global gym of defense right now. We're better than you. We know it. And um, and our players are going to shut down your players. And I love I love the confidence with which this team is playing right now. Yeah, they, they really are. And look, Herbert has everything. You know, that guy, I mean – the Miami Dolphins realizing that they pass on Herbert to take Tua, um, that's a tough one, right? Yeah, right. That's that's a tough one. And listen, I hope Tua has a great career. I hope that things go well for him. But right now, it ain't looking real good in Miami, and it's looking real good in L.A. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it is one of those things. You just never know. And that's what makes the draft such a, you know, a 50-50 crapshoot proposition is – no matter how good you are in college, you don't know how you're going to react to the next level. And some guys, as you know, come from smaller schools or some guys come that aren't as, you know, that, that aren't showered with accolades and they just get in the NFL and they get it. They understand yeah. it. It just makes sense to them. And some guys come out of these big schools that, you know, that they're highly touted. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't translate. And I'm not saying that it won't for Tua, and I'm not saying that he can't become good, but from day one, when Herbert was thrust in there after um, after they, they punctured their starting quarterback's lung, 
and, and he goes, you got four minutes, and, and by the way, you're starting. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'm good. Uh, against, the, against the defending Super Bowl champs and Patrick Mahomes, by the way. Right. So the, the Raiders, look, I, I still think they're a good team, but, you know, I always take the long view on the Raiders because last year they started 6-3 and three and they lost five of their last seven and didn't make the playoffs. I do believe their defense is going to keep them in more games, but, you know, Derek Carr was playing at an MVP level going into last night's stink and that, that Chargers defense, and they're finally healthy, right? That's the thing we've always said about the Chargers. Can they just stay healthy? Can they just stay healthy? Well, they're healthy through what is almost the first quarter of the season. God, I hate the 17 games. Can I just say that right now? Like it used to be, we're a quarter way through the season. You sort of know who you are. Right. We're, te- we're not technically it. Mean, it's so frustrating. I'm happy for more football, but it just uh, it drives me a little crazy how I got to think about things now. You, somewhere uh, about, I don't know how many minutes into the second quarter you'll actually be yeah. technically, or is it the end of the first quarter? Yeah, it's the end of the first quarter, right? That you'll technically be through the first quarter of the season? Is that that how that works? I don't know. You know, whatever it is. We got the 17 game thing. There is only one unbeaten team left in the NFL. And I think we all expected it to be the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kudos to Steve Keim, the general manager, for the squad he's put together. Uh, They went into L.A. at SoFi on Sunday and basically took it right at the Rams. That was a, a... a physical beating. It wasn't just, oh, Kyler Murray's going to run around and make some plays, which he did. They they did what you always like to do. They imposed their will on the Rams. They did. And I'm telling you what, Steve Kahn, you want to talk about giant onions. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You drafted a guy ninth overall, and I talked to Steve Kimes about Kyler Murray. and goes, when I watched the tape, he goes, I didn't want to fall in love with him. I didn't want to like him. Yeah. But I did. And I had to make a decision. You, think about that decision. Yeah, hey, sorry I just wasted a bunch of your money drafting Josh Rosen, but he can't play. Oh, sorry I wasted a bunch of your money on hiring a head coach that doesn't fit with that. I'm going to fire both Josh Rosen and the head coach, and I'm going to I'm gonna draft me Kyler Murray, and I'm going to go get, get uh, Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm totally revamping it. You, like, it's either... You are genius, or you never work in the NFL again. Yeah, and that was like it. you rolled, you Steve Geim rolled the dice on Steve Geim, and I tell you what, he looks like at this point he looks like a genius, and you're 100 right. Like, had you laid down money at, at your place, Caesars, or my place, Bet Rivers, or anybody else where that you lay down yeah. money at, right? If you'd have done that, like who in their right, who in their right mind would have bet on Arizona to be the last man standing with an undefeated record? Like no, nobody would anybody. Nope. Yeah, uh, they, they, so they're over. Yeah, they're over under at Caesars was eight wins uh, before the season began, uh, according to the, uh, at Caesars Sportsbook, and th- they were the only team in that division that had a win total of under ten. Yeah, people thought they were going to be good. Nobody thought they were going to be this good out of the gate. Right, and you're right. The thing that has been different is the way that the commitment they have to run on the ball. And the way that they're running the ball, Trey, and they'll spread you out with you know three wides, four wides, and they'll just they, they, what their whole theory is, man. You're gonna have to play us. You're gonna have to match us in nickel. You're gonna have to match us in dime. We're gonna get our big bodies. We're gonna double team at the point of attack. Get a big body in there, and we're gonna spread you out on the defensive side of the ball, and we're gonna run against light boxes. And yeah. they've done it to perfection. And when things do break down. You know, you can play the play perfectly. It's not the first three seconds. It's yeah. the next six seconds that Kyler Murray creates 
that you can't, I don't care how good you are as a defensive back, you can't stay plastered in this league for six seconds. And so he avoids everybody. You play it perfectly and you're like, dude, it's it's over. I mean, the guy, he is the most exciting player right now to watch because when he does take off and he does make things happen, whether it's a run or whether it's just creating more opportunity, something great happens almost 100% of the time. And that's what's so exciting to see. It is. And the other thing, which is funny, and I, I sort of have to chuckle at this because I hear people say, wow, Kyler's playing a lot better than he did in 2019 and 2020. Well, it's like if you play more football and you have better football players around you, amazingly, you get better at playing football, right? Like in 2019, he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. 2020, he gets DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, by the way, they've rediscovered how to use Christian Kirk in this offense. And oh, by the way, they bring in Adriel Jeremiah Green, uh, who is who's played really well for them. And oh, by the way, they take Rondell Moore in the draft, who's an exciting... It's, a, it's crazy how much better you are as a quarterback when the talent around you is better. Right, when you get better talent and, um, and then you commit to saying, hey, we're going to be a little bit more balanced so that you have to play honestly... Um, it is, it is, that is an amazing thing that, uh, when you get really good players, how much smarter you become as a coach, right? It's cra- It's crazy. I, I never would have thought those two yeah. things would be correlated, but here we are. Obviously they're a team to watch. And if, if he isn't the most exciting player, uh, in football to watch, the other one who probably is, is Patrick Mahomes for a variety of reasons. And he put on a show, uh, as Andy, by the way, we have to just acknowledge that Andy Reid's never going to get the credit he deserves as a head coach because he plays in the Bill Belichick era. And everyone's like, well, how come you didn't do what Bill Belichick did? Okay, that's never happening again. It's the ultimate unicorn and outlier in the history of all sports. So just understand that. But before we talk about the Chiefs proper, kudos to Andy Reid for doing it in Philadelphia, by the way, going back to where he, he had 130 wins as a coach and gets his 100th win as a head coach of the Chiefs, thus becoming the first coach in NFL history with at least 100 wins for two franchises, he is one of the absolute best to ever do it. He really is. And I think you see the innovation and design in his offense, especially when you get down to the red zone. They are, I mean, they are so good with the underhand tosses on the shovel passes and all the different things that they do to exploit a defense and to put you into harm's way. What they do in the screen game, how he runs the football. Um, you know, my only criticism is sometimes... Um, and sometimes he doesn't want to be balanced. You know, he wants to be. Yes, an he forgets. He forgets about the run sometimes. Yes. Right, but but he is an innovator of offense. He is so. I mean, he's just such a great designer of plays and designer of offense in general. People love playing for the guy, and he has been. He's been an exceptional coach. You think about last week. The average game has twelve to thirteen offensive possessions in it. Yeah, they had um, eight offensive possessions. They scored six touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. So that's seven, seven times. And then the eighth one was a one-play kneel down was their eighth possession. Yep. I mean, six, like literally six possessions, six touchdowns. The other possession ended with an interception. That's yeah. it. You want yeah. to, I mean, this is why that whole, like you work it to perfection Philadelphia, possess the clock. Philadelphia, don't let Mahomes get the ball. Philadelphia, try to squeeze it from 12 to 8 possessions, and you've got a chance. You don't have a chance when six times they score seven, right? I mean, that's what they are. He, he threw five touchdown passes. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. And Tyreek Hill went off in that game. By the way, that was just the fourth 
punt-free game in NFL history in the regular season. There's also a fifth one, which was a playoff game, which also included the Chiefs. It was a, a divisional or wildcard game between the Colts and the uh, Chiefs in 2003 postseason. So the good news for the Chiefs is they showed you if we don't beat ourselves, more often than not, we're going to win. Right? That's, that's what we Correct. learned. If we don't beat ourselves with stupid mistakes and turnovers, we're going to win. The problem is this may be the worst defense I've seen in Kansas City over the last four years. I mean, they've, they've always been sort of okay, but not great. They're really bad right now. They cannot rush the passer. Clark is nowhere near what he used to be. They're, they've moved Chris Jones to the outside. He doesn't have the feel for it, Mark. I feel like he's always picking the wrong gap. Uh, I think they need to move Jones back inside and find another way to get a, a different pass rush through scheme because what they're doing now isn't working. Yeah, the Jones thing is interesting because the Jones, where he's great is when he's singled up over a guard. You know, when he's playing a three-technique defensive tackle and you've got edge rushers on the outside – Back in the day, like you mentioned, Chris Clark, back in the day when they had D Ford, guys that could really yeah. turn corners. Justin Chris, Houston. Right. Guys, like a guy like Chris Jones is a really good player, but he's not a guy that threatens you speed-wise out there on the edge. So, no. you know, the, the, what ha- what happens to you as an offensive lineman is when you have a guy that can not only overpower you, but can also get by you with speed, quickness, athleticism, um, now it makes it really hard because you've got to make a decision in your mind. How am I going to set this guy? Is it going to be soft? Is it going to be firm? What am I going to do? And when you've got a guy that can do both really well, that's what makes that guy hard. He's a much better player from a pass rush standpoint inside than he is outside. So your observations are 100% correct. And then, you know, your propensity just to give up big plays on the defensive side of the ball, you know, big explosive plays. Um, you're right. I mean, every weekend they give up 30-plus points on the defensive side of the ball, and they'll outscore a lot of teams, but that's not necessarily a recipe to win championships. You'll get to the yeah. playoffs because you're so yeah. dynamic offensively, but eventually it's going to come back to bite you. They're going to have to make a few stops on defense, figure out ways to make stops, just one or two a game. Uh, but right right now, look, they got they got their stride back. They really should be 4-0 if they hadn't made some stupid mistakes. Uh, right. But they, they need to realize their margin for error is very, very low right now and how stacked uh, the AFC as a conference is. All right, why don't we take a break, and when we come back, the fight. We're going to throw down oh, yeah. verbally. Verbally. Stay with us. Starbucks Triple Shot Energy. Extra strength coffee beverage in a can. That Starbucks coffee you love, ready to drink. Four core flavors, of course, as you know, vanilla, dark roast, cafe mocha, and caramel. And now they're offering two zero sugar options as well, black and vanilla. Energy to do you for the things that you want to do. Like for me, gearing up for a great guest and an interview on a podcast, watching the games, or getting ready to kick somebody's butt on the golf course, which happens a lot. What gives you energy? Find your Starbucks Triple Shot Energy online or at your local store. All right, back with the chop shop here. And as promised, Mark and I are about to fight. Something happened at the end of the Ravens-Broncos game. In that game, very late, uh, it was 23-7 was the score. The Broncos threw it into the end zone and got intercepted, and there was three seconds left on the clock. Well, when the Ravens got the ball back, everyone thought they were going to kneel down, but aha, they didn't because the Ravens had a streak of 42 straight games rushing for at least 100 yards, and 43 in a row would have tied the NFL record with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So instead of taking a knee, what does John Harbaugh order his team to do? They go out and run Lamar Jackson to the left. He picks up four yards. Boom! 
Uh, they get 100 yards rushing for the game. Streak is intact. And afterwards, Vic Fangio said it was Bush League. It was the worst thing he's ever seen. Harbaugh responded by saying, why are you throwing into the end zone? You're, you're, down, seven, you're down 16 points. You're not going to get a 17-point play. Um, and uh, you hated it, right? Yeah, you know, ultimately, Trey, like it, in the overall scheme of things, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it, it's not that big of a deal, but it is a violation of, of, you know, code of conduct from a coaching standpoint. And here's why, here's why I'll say that. If I was playing, like as an analyst, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, it, it, but if I was playing, I'd be irritated. I'd be pissed off about it. And here's my point is my point is this is that you know you violate this kind of code of conduct these unwritten rules because you've got a 16 point lead you take a knee and I Vic Fangio talked about player safety I don't give a rip about player safety here's how I know that John Harbaugh knows and John is a friend I love John but here's how John Harbaugh knows he violated the code of conduct. First off, Lamar Jackson comes out and was asked right after the game. He goes, yeah, I didn't have any idea about the record. I just thought we we're going to take a knee and uh, and be done with it. And then John Harbaugh comes out to ask him about it. And John says this, this is not on my players. I'm mitigating their responsibility by 100%. This is a record that I wanted. This is on me. Meaning in my mind, you knew you violated the secret code. You did something that is that is considered taboo. And let me just tell you, when it comes to Juju, um, you're going to get yours. I mean, here, here's the thing about what's going on in the league with the with all the, the penalties for taunting and stuff. They're trying to take Which, out by the, the way, are terrible. It's that, right. that, that, we could do a whole show on how bad that rule is. Right. But the whole principle of that rule really is about trying to take control of the frontier justice that's been a part of this league forever. And I'm not saying that anybody's going to go after Lamar or anybody's going to do that stuff, but it will be in that situation in the back of your mind. So, for instance, if we break the huddle and I'm playing, and this happened before, um, and it's happened several times before, we walk up and say, hey, man, we're going down, right? We've yep. got the lead. We're going to beat you. And everybody says, all right. And the ball snapped and nobody, you know, everybody just kind of touches up and it's over, right? Then there's that one overzealous kid. That thinks Greg he's going to create a yeah. That's going to create Greg, the, a fumble. The head coach, the head right. coach, uh, the head coach of the Bucks, who did this at Rutgers, and he did it. He did it diving and trying to giants. create the ball. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you do it, and then you know what happens? We go back to the huddle and say, "I got something for his punk ass." Yeah. And the next one, we're going down. We're going down, and three guys fire at his knee. Yeah. And that's what happens. And I've been part of it. I've seen it happen. I've I've done it. Because, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, John Rambo. They they drew first blood, not me. Right, <laughs> All right. So All right. be careful I, I when hear you walk you. in. I hear you. All right. Now, right. allow allow me to counter. Okay, okay please. For, first of all, the Shiano thing and that diving uh, when we're taking a knee, totally different in my mind. Totally yeah. different. Because that that's a team that is literally saying, we're giving up. What I love about what Harbaugh did is that I appreciate the honesty. Do you remember the December game, uh, week 16 or 17 last year? Uh, actually, one of the first chop shops we ever did, where Alvin Kamara had a chance to set the record with seven touchdowns in that game, and everyone was talking about it. And late in that game, Sean Payton decided Taysom Hill needs a touchdown. 
and he gave the touchdown to Taysom Hill instead of to Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin Kamara went back in the game later and got his six, which ties the record uh, with uh, Ernie Nevers and Gale Sayers for most touchdowns in a game. But Alvin Kamara could have had the, 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 the record for the most touchdowns ever scored in a game with seven, and somehow Sean Payton decided it was more important to get Taysom Hill in the end zone. I don't understand that. I respect Harbaugh for saying, hey, this is a good record we've got here. We're not going to try and hurt anybody. We're just going to run a play. And I want to keep that record intact. I respect that honesty about him. Yeah, no, I respect the honesty too. I, I, it, I'm not saying that it wasn't honest, and he took full responsibility for it because he knew he stepped over that that you know that quote unquote unwritten rule line. He, I mean, he knows it. I know it. Anybody who plays understands it. But I, is it like I said? Is it the end of the world? No. Is yeah. it? You know, I'll go back to this. You know, it's no big deal. Play every play, you know, finish it out. I remember in a playoff game in 2015 when John Harbaugh cried like a biatch after New England, you know, used some trick plays and some trick formations. Not not a good look for him. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Again, it's one of those, hey, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you feel like you were violated... Basically, on the on the you know the unwritten rules, like those these are things that you know these are things that get talked about. And again, you know, I'll go back to New England when they jammed it up everybody's butt in yeah. two thousand seven. I'll never forget they're up thirty eight nothing I think against Washington when yeah. uh, and Joe Gibbs and they went for it on fourth and two and and Bill Belichick said we were giving uh, the Washington the Washington team a chance to. Uh, Work stop on their us. yeah stop, stop us, us on their board. We're now. giving them an opportunity to stop us. Right. But do you remember Here's what Joe the... Gibbs said? You remember what Joe Gibbs said after that game? No. He was asked about it, and he said, "I have no problem with what they did. Zero. Yeah. Right. And you know what Joe Gibbs said after after the doors were closed with his football Mother team? Mother effer. <laughs> no, he would right. never cuss. He would say he would say mother puss buckets or yes. that uh, you know mother right. father he shut would, the front he door. Would say, yeah, he would he would have come on that, and that's where probably Vic Fangio, you know, needs to have a better filter. But um, but you know, listen, that is one of those things that if you do it, and and that tour of the of the New England Patriots where they shoved it up everybody's can doing that, you know, ultimately here's where the juju comes back. You're 18 and 0, you go through the playoffs, and then you lose to the Giants. Uh, hey, it it'll get you. It'll yeah. get you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just be prepared, Baltimore. Ravens. I, I just it's gonna I get just, you. I, I just I didn't think it was that Bush, and and I thought Fangio's over the top response was ridiculous. I I loved Harbaugh's response. Well, okay, if the game's over, why are you throwing into the end zone? It's not a sixteen point play. But like, that's yeah. But that's what I mean, it's a two point. It's a two score game, and that's what everybody who's losing continues to play. It's when you're supposed to when you're when you've got an insurmountable lead, and there's ten seconds left or three seconds left on the clock. You say tip of the cap, we won. That's just been that's just been the standard operating procedure, right? Here, here's where I and we'll move on. Here's where I draw the line. If they had thrown the ball, I could try to score. I'd be like, that's completely crap. They just wanted to keep the record going. I I, I didn't mm-hmm. see it as this egregious violation like the Greg Schiano trying to dive over the yeah. pile. I, no, I, 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 I see them a, differently. Right, I there is. I will concede they are different. I, they, I will concede with that they are different. Still, however. It's still a, a code violation, and um, right. you know, and, and just expect that the, there's a potential code red. As Sil as Sil said in the Sopranos, not a hanging offense. 
speaking of uh, conceding, do we have to concede that the Dallas Cowboys might be really bleeping good this year? Look at what they've done. Yeah. Uh, they took the Bucks to the wire, although, as I said, week one, they found a way to lose, which they did all of last year. Then they go to L.A., take care of the Chargers. They do exactly what you want a good team to do, beat the crap out of a bad team as they just abused the Eagles on Monday night. And then they took down the previously undefeated Carolina Panthers. Their 3-1 and one looks pretty good to me, and the way they're doing it looks really good to me. Well, what they did to the Carolina Panthers, I mean, like, like I like to joke around all the time, there are people that uh, did less uh, to get themselves, you know, 5-10 to in the state pin than uh, <laughs> what they did. That what they did to the Carolina Panthers. You want to talk about physically dominating a line of scrimmage yep. and just completely obliterating. And then we talk about draft. We talk about dynamic players. We talk about changing the trajectory of your football team. How about what Diggs is doing at the cornerback position and what Parsons is doing at the linebacker position? Going from the middle to the edge, being an edge rusher, basically wreaking havoc on the line of scrimmage. And then Diggs, you know, this former offensive player, I think, you know, in high school and I think even at Alabama for a time before he switched over to the defensive side, he just has a bead on what the offense is trying to do. He has a feel for routes, route combinations, the timing of the quarterback, when the ball is coming out of his hand. And he just is, I mean, a breaking on the ball fool. And... They are, like, I'm watching that game yesterday going, damn, they're a good football team. Like, they're a a really good football team. And that was, you know, that game became a lot closer than it really was, but that was physical domination. Absolutely. What I love, well, first of all, on on the Diggs thing, we have, if we, I'm a big believer in coaching. I know if I say it's not the X's and O's, it's the Willies and Joes, it's both, okay? You Mm -hmm. need both, uh, unless you're Patrick Mahomes. Um, (laughs) But... Give it up for Dan Quinn, former Atlanta Falcons head coach, made his name for himself at the NFL as a D.C. uh, with the Seahawks. The Cowboys' defense last year was putrid. Like, it was steaming hot garbage. They gave up the most points in franchise history. For the season, they were minus three in the turnover differential. Right now, they're tied with Buffalo at plus seven for the turnover differential. Diggs has five interceptions in four games, uh, and they have uh, have – they're not giving the ball away either. I think Dan Quinn has found a, a secret sauce with this defensive unit. Oh, by the way, arguably their best defender, Tank Lawrence, isn't on the field right now. He has a broken foot that he suffered, was it week one or week two? I think it was week one uh, against the Bucks. So he's not playing. Micah Parsons has been amazing all over the field. They're getting pass rush from everybody because of the schemes that Gus Bradley is dialing up. Uh, if you could give a an assistant coach of the month award for September, I absolutely would give it to Dan Quinn. Yeah, I, I, that was me planning a, a Freudian slip in your head. You said uh, Gus Bradley. You meant uh, Dan Quinn D- again. Dan Quinn. That was, yes, that was that's my fault. Anyhow, you're 100 right. Dan Quinn is a builder of men and a builder of relationships, and he does such a great job. Now, I thought he did a great job in Atlanta, but they never were able to overcome. That loss to the Super Bowl. That loss in the Super Bowl. You're up 28 to three. They just never mentally. I don't think they ever overcame that, Trey. But That's fair. Dan Quinn's one of my favorite NFL people. He's one of my favorite guys because great guy. He keeps it simple. His players play really hard for him, 
and he's really about building relationships and growing relationships and growing up, you know, helping mature young men. And they love playing for him. And I think it shows, man, the effort level that they give, the attention to detail that they have. And like I said, the keep it simple, uh, stupid nature of Dan Quinn to just say, I'm going to let you guys pull uh, play it at full speed because I'm not going to burden you with a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. It just works, and they're doing a phenomenal job right now. And I have to point out something else because Lael Collins is suspended, mm-hmm. and you know he was a big part of that offensive line. This kid Terrence Steele, who has stepped yeah. in and played right tackle, is mauling people. Like go go watch the Cowboys' offensive line right now. Looks like the 2016 offensive line. Uh, when they just dominated people up front, Zeke and Dak's rookie year, and they were just plowing people over. They are taking people out right now on that offensive line. And Terrence Steele is a guy that nobody knows because he's a backup right tackle in the NFL. Watch number 78 in the next Cowboys game that they play. He has been incredible. He really has, and they've been great up front. And that's one thing that the Carolina Panthers have done a great job of is they play this 3-3-5 defense under Phil Snow, their defensive coordinator. And what they what they create is you have to decide as a group, like, who are we going to take in pass pro, right? Who are the, the who are who's going to be the fourth down? Is it Burns? Is it somebody else? Like the four downs and and who, you know, who, how are we going to we can only take five if we're in a five-man protection. So who are the four, four downs plus the extra guy? And because of the way they, the style with which they play, it, it makes it really hard to designate who we have up front. Yeah. And in the running game, they run so many games and they have so many guys playing multiple positions that a lot of times you're unsure when you come off the ball who we got. And they get an edge on you, you miss a block, they make a play in the backfield. The Dallas Cowboys just said, we're going to line up and we're just going to come off like a bulldozer and uh, we'll peel you guys off as you come. And yeah. I tell you what, they uh, they dominated. They just dominated that group up front. And every time you saw them run the ball, the handoff, it's Zeke Elliott having five yards before he even has to before he even yeah. has to contend with a defender. It was a thing of beauty. And you're right about yeah. Steele. And that's it. What yeah. a great name, too, by the way. Here's the thing. These are the kind of things you're going to get here. You won't. No one else is going to tell you how good Terrence Steele is. Okay. And. You may not like that or want it up, but we're just telling you what the real inside information is. Like, the Cowboys are doing this because a backup right tackle has decided, I'm going to ball out this year, and he is absolutely mauling people. Let's wrap up week four with the team that I believe is the best team of football right now. I know the Cardinals are 4 0, and they've got all this kind of stuff, but you can't, we could talk for three hours, and you're not going to convince me that Buffalo isn't the best team in football right now. They are 3 and 1. And that first week loss that was a clunker to the Steelers where they had six holding penalties and they couldn't get out of their own way. A block punt was returned for a touchdown. It was just a bad, sloppy, fluky performance, which I think is going to have more in the NFL, Mark, with the way we're going with three preseason games and nobody really plays in them anyway. Week one is going to be a real sort of, hey, let's figure this out as we go along, I think, going forward. But my God, they have thumped everybody else they've played Stink, they already have two shutouts through the first four weeks. Do you know, since 1972, only two other teams have had two shutouts through the first four weeks of the season? Do you want to know who they are? Uh, uh, you played 90, on one of them. The 91 Washington Redskins. Boom! And you know who the other one is? Uh, no. The 2000 Baltimore Ravens. What do those two teams have in common, Stink? World Championships. Boom! Yeah. Okay. 
So let's look at what we have in Buffalo here now. You have one of the top four quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't care. Put him in. Josh Allen is probably top three, but let's go four just to include everybody's happy. Okay? He has what you and I like to call arm arrogance. Open? You're not open? I'll make you open. I have a hose. I have a cannon for a right arm. I can fit it in anywhere. I can run. I have a deep threat. I have underneath guys and Cole Beasley and Knox. And I have a digs over the top. And I got a defense that's kicking the shit out of people. Right. The Buffalo Bills right now are the most complete team in football. Uh, And listen, man, you're not going to get any argument from me on that. And they have been incredible. What they've done with their quarterback, the way they have propped up their quarterback. And and not propped him up. He's a great player. But... The way they propped him up in saying, hey, what do you like? What do you feel good about? You've, you like to throw the ball. You like to be in spread. We'll go get you Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, Cole Sanders, Beasley. Sanders, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Cole Beasley doing his thing that he always does. And then, you know, when you look at their their defense, Tavarius White is as good a corner that nobody knows about in this league. He'll lock down one side of the field and allow Tredavious, you yeah. to use, uh, what did I say? Traverius. Yeah, you know what I mean. Gus Bradley. You said Gus Bradley. Yeah, yeah, Tredavious. <laughs> so, and then Poyer, you know, allowing Poyer, allowing yeah. the safeties to, uh, and, and Micah Hyde, allowing the safeties to roam and to double-team other players um, when you got a lockdown corner like White. It just is, it's amazing. You know, the one weakness I would tell you watching them over the last couple of years is I don't ever feel like they've had a big-time edge pass rusher but they got, you know, they got four guys up front that can really play. They're a really yeah. good defense. This is a really good football team. And like I said, I love the way they have morphed this offense into, you know, really leaning on their quarterback strengths. And I'll wrap it up with this one other note. Okay, I mentioned uh, the other two teams that won Super Bowls and shutouts uh, mm-hmm. through the first two for the first four weeks. How about this one? The Bills are just the third team in the last 50 seasons to have multiple 35-point shutouts. In other words, they score at least 35 or more and shut them out uh, in a three-week span. Uh, The other two teams, the 87 Niners, uh, who didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but the 85 Bears, who won Super Bowl twenty. So so, so right now, the Buffalo defense, in in an era where you cannot play defense in the NFL, like it's not allowed, you're not supposed to do it, they are statistically comparing to the 85 Bears and the 2,000 Ravens, which in most people's minds, would be the top two defenses of the last 50 years. Yeah, without question. I mean, I mean, you you, put, you could put the 2015 Broncos in there, but I don't think they were as devastating as those 2,000 Ravens or the or the 85 Bears. Yeah, there, there was a uh, there was a certain uh, cachet that both those defenses have had, had from a just an intimidation factor, an intimidation standpoint. That uh, when you knew, I mean, you knew you went in there. And the odds of, of you having any success at all were, were slim to none. We went into that 2000 Ravens in the playoffs and uh, absolutely thought we were going to be able to run the ball and do the things we did. And we just got, I mean, we got pummeled. I think we scored three points. I mean, they gave us a courtesy field goal somewhere in there. So <laughs> A gentleman sweep, they let you win one game. That's what that is. They, they, let, us, they let us kick a field goal. Yeah. Okay, you guys can kick one. There you go. All right, so that'll do it for week four. Uh, obviously, the themes this week. Uh, Stink and I found a way to get through our differences. Um, we, we like Buffalo, and we're big fans of Gus Bradley. See you next yes. week. <laughs> Love you, Gus.
This episode of The Chop Shop was brought to you by Starbucks Triple Shot Energy Drink. All the energy you need in a can, and it's delicious.